Good morning, Stockbridge First. I got to say, I'm super excited today. I can't tell you why I'm super excited, but I just am. Um, so Brother Andy, two months ago or three months ago, when he told me we're doing the Minor Prophets, and Brother Andy said that, um, Al, if you would like to preach more often, feel free. Let me know when you're ready for that. And I was like, oh, shoot, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. And then um, he said, but I recommend you probably go maybe once every couple of months. And I said, like, you know what? I think I can do two. I think I can do two. So that's why you saw me last month and you see me again this month. However, after I did it last month, I was like, I, I, I'm proud of myself. I'm not really sure if I can, if it's in, in my tank to do it again. I promise you and I guarantee the message I have today is going to change somebody's life. I know I said that last time, but I really mean it this time. All right. So before we even start, I want to take a survey. Here's the question. Here's the question. When you get some new equipment, and you get some like furniture or something you got to put together, raise your hand. Who is skipping the instruction manual? Thank you. Okay. I respect it. I respect it. All right. All right. So what about this? Who in here, let's say, you'll get started, but once you get stuck, at least you'll refer to the instruction manual? Okay. All right. It's more of you. Okay. All right. Now what about this on the other end of the spectrum? Who in here, before they even touch the equipment, before they even touch the furniture, who in here is reading every single sentence and answer? Really? That mean, okay, I respect that. I respect that. God put a lot of different people on this planet Earth. I'm assuming you'll be the type A personality. I am not. I am far from it. I'm the creative type. So I respect that, all right? My wife, she's really good at that. My attention span is really bad. Full disclosure, if my wife tells me to assemble something, and I have to read the, the manual, it's going to be at least a month before it's touched. I, I guarantee that is not a joke. All right, so I, I say this to stress the fact that instruction manuals are super important. Instruction manuals are awesome, and it's amazing that before you even touch the equipment, somebody like, thought about everything, and they'll even have the frequently asked questions. Something that you might have, a problem you might reach in the future, Someone thought of that already. That's amazing. So which leads me to talking about the ultimate instruction manual, the good book, the Bible. We can agree this is an instruction manual for our lives. But um, I dare say that some of us, as I started my question, maybe not in this room skip the instruction manual. Or I dare say that some of us, we read mainly the, the interesting parts. We, we, we stick to the, um, the Sunday school type stories, and I'll admit I consider myself a born-again Christian, and I'll raise my hand. I tend to be that type. Um, I want to talk about Haggai, and I want to tell you all that Haggai is the fine print of the Bible. That's weird. What are you talking about? It's the fine print. Haggai is in the instruction manual, but it's so small that you tend to miss it. Haggai is not like the, the opener, like Genesis and Exodus. And, oh, yeah, I know about those. And it doesn't have the, the elegance of Psalms and Proverbs. And Haggai is not like the, the, the classics, the main event of the Gospels. You know, Christmas and Easter, that's the Gospels. Like, if you don't know anything about the Bible, you know the four Gospels. But um, Haggai is a really, really good book. I got exposed to Haggai when I was doing the Sunday school for the youth, and we were doing every book of the Bible. And once I read that book, I was like, whoa, this is a really good book. Haggai is only two chapters long. Two chapters. 
you all could technically read it while you're sitting in line at Popeye's. I promise you, I guarantee, if once I'm done today, I challenge you all, you don't even have to read it when you go home. When you're sitting in the drive-thru and you're waiting for your food, break out the book of Haggai and you'll be done before you get your food. Haggai, being only two chapters long, may seem insignificant, but the message in Haggai is so significant. I challenge you, I dare you, the book of Haggai has to find print that might change your life. I keep saying that and I keep meaning it. The book of Haggai just might change your life. Evaluate your day-to-day. Think about your professional schedule, your, your social schedule, your emotional life. You wake up, you go to work or go to school, go home, sleep. Wake up, go to work, go to school, go home and sleep. You're living your life, but you're not really living. My message for you today, the book of Haggai has the fine print that if you follow this fine print, if you read this fine print, your life might be changed forever. The events of Haggai, they take place after the Jews were free from captivity in Babylon. They've been given permission to return to their homeland, Jerusalem, and they've been ordered to rebuild their temple. So they begin the process, and they make some progress. They, they set up a new altar, and they lay a foundation for the temple. And if you read the book of Ezra, you'll find out that other nations, they interfered in the building of the temple. So the people stopped. They made progress, but once the interference came, the progress ceased. So instead of picking up the pieces and pressing forward, God's people stopped moving forward, and they focused on what we would call self-care. You know, when times get tough, so it's like, you know what, let me not worry about other people, let me just take care of myself. They started to take care of themselves. So let me lay this out for you all. Times got tough, they got thrown off of their original plan, then they focused on themselves. Does that sound like somebody's life right now? You don't have to raise your hand. Times got tough, they got thrown off on their original plans, so when they got thrown off, they focused on themselves. The people stopped worrying about their goal, rebuilding God's temple. I'm in the book of Haggai, chapter 1, verse 2. The book of Haggai, chapter 1, verse 2. It reads, This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. The people are saying, The time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Leave that up there for a second. When I read this the first time, I'm like, Is is, is God saying that? No, God is saying that's what the people are saying. It's, it's, It's not time yet. Not ready. I, I, like, like, I know what we're supposed to do, but uh, like, just not right now. Not right now. This is a common human character trait. Whenever you feel like you're facing an oversized goal, you, you feel like you got to prepare to prepare. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's, like, like, it's, it's not like I'm just going to get in the car and go get some gas. Like, this is a really big task, so I've got to get ready just to get ready. So instead of moving to the next level, 
you play it safe, and you stay in your routine. Now, if you have not read the book of Haggai, ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to read the fine print to you all that is definitely going to get you to the next level. Haggai chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. If you don't read anything else, Haggai chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my, ho while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much but harvest little. You eat but are not satisfied. You drink but are still thirsty. You put on clothes but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses. These people were given God-sized goals. Everybody repeat after me, God-sized goals. I want you all to say it again like you care, and I want you to say it again as if you want your life changed. Everybody repeat after me, God-sized goals. A God-sized goal is a goal that is bigger than whatever your comfort level is. A God-sized goal is one that can only be reached with God's assistance. A God-sized goal requires you to stretch yourself. I'm talking about whatever your inherent natural talent is, a God-sized goal requires you to go beyond that. And, and this is the conversation you have. You, you, you tell God, you say, God, like, like I know I'm talented, but like, I'm not that talented. And God, I know you want me to accomplish something, but, but I don't have enough in me. I don't have enough in me. I can't do it, God. I don't have enough. And God says, I know you don't have enough, but I do. And since I have enough, let me do it with you. That's a God-sized goal. In the text, pay attention to how the Lord describes their life. The Lord says, you lived in paneled houses while this house lies in ruins. So basically he's saying, you took care of yourself, but you allowed your destiny to dry up. I thought, I'm about to say something real clever. So it's like, you know, self-care, and some people um, talk about self-care Sunday. So it's like the people went overboard with the self-care Sunday. Self-care Sunday turned into to, to me, me, me Monday. And then me, me, me Monday slid into uh, take care of my needs Tuesday. And then take care of my needs Tuesday wiggled into what about me Wednesday. Y'all get the point. You know what I'm trying to say, all right? Like, like, like times get tough, so you say, you know what? Don't worry about that. You better take care of you. Take care of you. And it got to a point where we're taking care of ourselves a little bit too much. So instead of chasing your God-given goals, you chase comfort. But in that process of chasing comfort, and let's keep it 100. Keep it 100 means keep it real. I'm sorry. I'm talking like in front of the youth. Let's keep it real. 
Sometimes when you chase comfort, you're still left empty. Black Friday is coming up. And even though you got plenty of stuff in your house right now, you see those ads and say, yeah, I'm happy, but I'm not that happy. I think I can use that new TV. Yeah, I know I got this TV and I got this, but I think I can still do, use that. And then next Christmas rolls around. So when Christmas 2020, you thought you had everything you needed, the next Christmas rolls around and you still didn't have enough. When you are constantly chasing comfort, you are continuously left empty, just like the book says. You're eating, but it's not enough. You're drinking, but you're not full. You're getting paid, but it feels wasted. You hope for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruin, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses. So God basically told them this. Are you wondering why you're unfulfilled? Are you confused? Are you confused that like everything's not together? Are you having some big existential crisis and you just can't figure out why? The reason you're confused and you don't feel right is because you have not fulfilled your duty. You have not fulfilled your obligation. You're feeling blah on this level. But no wonder you're feeling blah on this level because you haven't even attempted to get to the next level where I want you at. You feel incomplete because you have yet to complete God's will. Now you may say, Al, that is easier said than done. I feel you. I agree with you. Right now, y'all are watching me stretch myself. Y'all know this. Y'all know my testimony. You are witnessing me overcome the fear in my flesh each and every week. Ever since I said yes to becoming the youth director, every single week I have to speak, every single week I have to talk to the youth, every single week I have to think of a message. The fear in my flesh, I have to let it go. But I'm gonna tell you my secret. And I was doing, if y'all saw me, I was doing it over there. My prayer is to always let go of my ego. My prayer, I ask God, take away whatever I want right now and fill it with whatever you want right now. Thank you. Anytime I speak in front of you, my prayer is, God, I don't want nothing to come from Aldanzo because Aldanzo ain't good enough, but God is good enough. Let my words be your words. If it was up to me right now, keep it real, right now on a Sunday at 1030, I'd be sitting at home playing PlayStation right now. But thank God I don't follow what Al wants. Thank God I follow God's desires and God's will. Chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. If your anxiety is preventing you from getting to the next level, if your past mistakes and your past failures make you afraid to even attempt your next goal, please remember, if you don't remember anything else, you are not intended to do the journey alone. I am with you, says the Lord. 
I am with you, says the Lord. Y'all didn't hear me because I ain't say strong enough. I am with you, says the Lord. You are not supposed to do this by yourself. Any task you have, you are not supposed to do it by yourself. Anytime someone asks you to do something bigger than your gifts and your talents, you are not intended to do it alone. I am with you, says the Lord. So here's my question to you all. Think about the last time you failed. Think about the last time you made some mistakes that you regret. Did you invite God with you? Think about the last time you had to make a very important decision and it did not go the way as planned. Was God invited in that decision making? The last meeting you had that did not go the way you wanted it to, did you invite God to that meeting? Or did you go it alone? Things didn't go the way you wanted it to go. You faced the consequences. So you're like, you know what? Things didn't work out. I quit. I pray you allow God to spark enthusiasm in your life. Let's keep pushing to the next level. So you feel the enthusiasm, and you reach the goal to the best of your abilities, but then the enemy strikes. But here's the thing. I'm not talking about outside interference. I'm talking about the enemy that's in your mind. Your mind plays those nasty tricks on you. The enemy isn't always uh, some naysayer or some hater, as the kids say. Sometimes the enemy is your own ego. Sometimes you get in the way of you when your reality does not match your expectations. But guess what? Like I said, this is, this is your instruction manual, and this is the fine print, where if you read the fine print, it's going to take care of you. After God's people make some progress, the elders of the community, they acknowledge that the, the, the new temple they're building does not look as good as their, the old one. So, so remember, the, the Jews, when they were put in captivity in Babylon, the, the old generation, they saw the old stuff. And in captivity, a, a younger generation came up. They come back to the homeland. And so really, the younger generation is doing most of the, the, the legwork. And the younger generation is working to the best of their abilities. However, under the current circumstances, it just doesn't look as good as it used to look. Despite their best efforts, despite the fact that they said, yes, we're going to march in step with God, the fruits of their labor does not match the splendor of what was before. Their best efforts did not look like what they thought it was supposed to look like. They didn't look like the way they thought, God, you say everything is going to be perfect if I listen to you, and what I created is not perfect. Haggai chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Haggai chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Does anyone remember this house, this temple, and its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. But now the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people still left in the land, and now get to work. For I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. So do not be afraid. If you did not feel that, I think you need to read it by yourself for homework. Be strong. Be strong, Terry. Be strong, Gwen and Clark. 
Be strong, Tiffany. Be strong, Lauren. Be strong, Joey. Be strong and do not be afraid. My spirit remains among you, just as Lord promised. Now, if you are like me, I acknowledge that sometimes I block my own blessings. I'm assuming most of us can agree with that. I have felt the intimidation of having a vision, and the vision you want is so grandiose, and it's so wonderful, and it's so perfect that you're even afraid to begin. Because you feel like if I don't have the funds to do it, it won't be right, I shouldn't do it. If I don't have the manpower to do it, it won't look right, so I shouldn't do it. If I don't have a certain team around me, it's not going to be done right, so I shouldn't do it at all. I'm about to mess y'all up. But has it ever occurred to you that if you got a vision, something big, maybe God gave you that vision, right? And maybe if God gave you that vision, maybe God wants to see that vision too. Maybe not by yourself and wanting to see that vision come through. Now, maybe if God gave you the vision and God wants to see that vision come through, don't you agree ain't God going to be with you every single step of the way? And if God gave you the vision and God wants to see you come through and God's going to be with you every step of the way, don't you think God is going to cheer you on and encourage you every single step of the way? God is going to root for you. God will champion you. Do not be afraid. Now, finally, here's the question. I'm almost done, y'all. Are you going to trust him? I can say all this. You can read it all day. But are you going to trust him? I'm in chapter 2, verse 9. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, has spoken. I was telling the youth this this past Wednesday. That's the hardest thing about being a Christian. It's the faith part. The attendance is easy. That's the easy part of showing up. The reading is easy. As long as you are literate, the reading part is easy. It might be easy to tithe. But the faith, that's the hardest part about all of this. Believing something that you can't see yet. Believing in something that's not tangible, that you can't even touch it yet. I'm going to close with this. In the toiling, in the hard work, in the imperfection, in the mess, God told his people, let go of your selfishness. Quit doing the easy and get to work. And you know what? Whatever you create might not seem like nothing at all, but get to work. Whatever you create might be smaller than what you imagined, but get to work. Whatever you created might not be as good as what your neighbor did, but get to work. Your breakthrough is waiting on you. Your next chapter in life, your next level is waiting on you. But all you got to do is get to work. Do not be afraid. Be strong. Let go of your ego but do not 
do the work alone. The Lord God is with you because if you obey everything that's in that instruction manual, if you follow the fine print to a T, the future glory will be greater than its past glory. Amen.